Here's another inspiring message from Northside Community Church, Sydney. So I'm wondering, surely you had this, but did you ever have a, a set of family rules when you grew up? Set certain family rules in your family, right? Um, this is the way that we do things. Uh, we had a rule in our family. It was no swear words. We were not allowed to swear as kids. Uh, and in our word, in fact, the word, and block your ears if there are any kids in here this morning. Um, in our word, shut up was a rude word in our family. You couldn't, you couldn't say shut up. Was that the same for your family? Yeah, it was a terribly rude word as a kid. And so um, when I was a kid, uh, such a rude word it was, um, and such was the pressure on a child to have to deal with that sort of legalistic restriction, uh, that I, what I did one day is I thought I would show mum and dad, and I uh, walked as far as I could get away in my world as a kid, which was to the back corner of the backyard. And I went right to the back corner of the backyard and I made sure that no one was looking and I was just, no one was around. And then as hard as I could, I went, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. <laughs> and therein began my very first lesson in behavior modification. And as a result, throughout my teenage years, I continued to have this modification. And I'm sure you've done the same thing too. You learned throughout your t teenage years how to modify your behavior. You did it because when you uh, grew up in high school, you learned to behave a certain way. And then you went for job interviews and people said, this is how we do things here. And so you learned to modify your behavior in order to be successful. Or this is the way that people dress here. And so you modified your behavior. And so as a result, you and I have become very good at behavior modification. And then what we've discovered from last week is that the reason um, that we have become so good at this uh, behavior modification is that we've, as a result, created this gap. There's this gap that exists between us. There's a gap that exists between the real me and then the me that I want people to see. This is where behavior modification exists out here. There's the real me and then there's the me that I want people to see. And uh, we do that long enough until we have those moments where something slips out. Oh, I didn't mean that. I shouldn't have said that. I'm sorry I said that. And something slips out of us. You know, you've been in that space where you, you've just, well, we do something embarrassing or at worst we do something even hurtful. And then we finally realize that when it comes to behavior modification that we're actually really not that good at it. So, I kind of figured that part of the whole reason for this series is, isn't it just a lot easier to live wissy-wig? What I mean by that is, isn't it a lot easier to just live the sort of life where what you see is what you get? Where you're just real? Now, of course, I preface this with saying that doesn't mean that the minute you jump into any room or coffee after the service that you are going to pour out all of the deepest, darkest secrets of your life to an unsuspecting Northsider who just asked you how your day was and suddenly you've just they've been laboured with every bit of hurt and pain that you've ever had in your life. That's not Wissiwig. Uh, Wissiwig is to be the same person in every circumstance. It means that uh, who you are here is who you are out there. It means who you are behind a keyboard is who you are face to face. It means when you get to work tomorrow and people say to you, what did you do yesterday? You don't sneeze church. You know, like I say that, people say, what did you do yesterday? And you say, oh, I went to church. Oh, well, just what you see is what you get. I went to church. That's what I do. I'm the same here as I am elsewhere. And so we have these moments where these things 
pop out of us. We didn't mean it. We didn't want to say it. We weren't sure we are supposed to do it. We realised that we're not that good at behaviour modification. And we learn that an unguarded heart has the power to overpower even the most guarded behaviour. An unguarded heart can overpower the most guarded behaviour. What's done cannot be undone. (laughs) And in light of that, it's so important to practice these habits we're talking about over these three weeks called safeguarding your soul. Last week, we talked about the first habit of surrendering your will, uh, of just having an agenda other than yours, living beyond yourself, uh, treating this surrendered life as an adventure. Remember I said, following God and surrendering your will doesn't have to be sorrowful. Surrendering your will is to say, Lord, what are you up to today and how can I be a part of it? Who asked themselves that question today? Oh, we've got a couple. Thank you for doing your homework. Gold star, gold star. All right. What, what are you up to today, Lord, and how can I be a part of it? To live beyond yourself, to say that there's something other than my own life and agenda going on in the world. And that is a wonderfully refreshing way to live. And the second keystone habit that I want to talk about this morning is to monitor or guard your heart. Because even one of the most wisest guys in the Bible understood the power of an unguarded heart. It's why he wrote, King Solomon said, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. And so what Solomon knew is that if our behavior can destroy the relationships that are most dear to us, how often do you monitor or watch your heart? How much time do you spend focusing on what's on the inside rather than trying to monitor the outside? How much time do you spend analysing why it is it is what you feel and why you feel and why you act, rather than beating yourself up because of the way you act? And so anyone here, anyone who knows anyone who's blown up a relationship or a situation or a career opportunity, when something on the inside got loose on the outside, anyone who knows someone in that situation, what does a person do in that situation initially? You know, one person, one strategy is to say, I'll never do that again. I'll never do that again. You know what that's like doing? That's like running to the backyard and going, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. It's like just, it's just like letting, letting out all of the pressure for a little bit, but not dealing with the reason why there's the pressure in the first place. It's a form of negative behavior modification. What I want to show you this morning from the scriptures is the way that it's intended to guard your heart, the way that Jesus sets us up for us, because he understood this human dynamic where we've just got this propensity to manage behaviour. And it comes from a passage, ironically, that's an extension of a passage we looked at a couple of weeks ago in the the, um, brand recognition series with loopholes, where Jesus has a stoush with the religious people. And they say to Jesus, Jesus, we've got a question for you. Why do your disciples the folks that follow you most closely, why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? Why don't they wash their hands before they eat? And so what they were, what they were getting into here is that Jesus' disciples were breaking a tradition that the priests, the teachers of the law, had invented in order to stop them breaking the law of God. In other words, they were breaking a rule, a rule that was set up in order to not break a rule. And Jesus looks at this and says, are you kidding me? He says, hang on, like you're, you're having to go at my disciples 
for not washing their hands, where he then goes on to say, and why do you then break the command of God for the sake of your tradition that says, honour your father and mother, and anyone who curses their father or mother is to be put to death. But you say that if anyone declares that what might have been used to help their father or mother is devoted to God, they're not to honour their mother or father with it. Thus you nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition, you hypocrites. In other words, what he's saying, it sounds very confusing. What he was saying in that passage was, they're giving his followers a bit of stick for not following a rule that was set up in order to break, to not break a rule. And yet, at the same time, these people were using another rule or the law of God to withhold money from setting up a system of caring for their elderly parents in retirement. And he's saying, you're doing this over here, and yet you're giving my disciples stick for not washing their hands, which, by the way, was a rule that was set up for priests and elders. It was not for ordinary people. It was a rule that got twisted to then apply to all the ordinary people, and it was a rule to stop you from breaking a rule. This sounds crazy. And so they'd made this law down into a tradition. They set up a rule to keep from breaking a rule and it was actually a violation of a rule. And in other words, this was behaviour modification at its worst. And you see this in teenage kids when they have an argument with their parents. Teenage kids do this. You know, if, um, it's like imagine you've got a teenage kid, you know, daughter's having an argument with, a, with her, her, her mother and the father comes in and says, don't you dare talk to your mother like that. And so the teenage daughter says, okay, well, you know what I'm going to do? I'm not going to talk to her at all. Right? Teenagers would never do this. Right? In other words, they've, they've set up a rule to stop a violation of the ultimate rule, but in setting up the rule, they've broken the rule of relationship. Does this make sense? It's behaviour modification at its worst. At best, it's exhausting. At worst, it violates the living intention of the Father. And so the first principle we see here, and this comes to religious people, is that you know, never set up these rules of behaviour, certainly if you get religious with things, that take you away from the intention of the Father. In other words, as Jesus will start to say in here, in verse, six, in verse 10 of Matthew 15, Jesus calls to the crowd and he says, Listen, understand this. It's not about breaking the rules. It's not about what goes into your mouth. He says, what goes into your mouth does not defile you, but what comes out of your mouth is what defiles you. Right? So it's not about whether your hands are clean or dirty and what goes in. Jesus says it's what comes out. In other words, Jesus is saying that our biggest problem as human beings is we leak. You know this. <laughs> I know this. We leak. We leak and these things pop out of us and we said, oh, I didn't mean that. And... I know what you really mean. What you really mean in that moment is you didn't mean for anyone to hear that. Isn't that what that means? <laughs> because we leak, it, it, it comes out of us. Jesus says that a bad tree cannot bear good fruit, that eventually over the course of our time, our character leaks. And character is never really what is, what is put in front of a person inside of a room. Character is the smell that you leave after you've left the room. Does that make sense? The sort of person that people remember you by, the sort of fragrance that you leave behind, was that a good interaction? Was that a positive interaction? Was that uplifting? Was that encouraging? Our hearts leak and what is on the inside seeps onto the outside and our actions are constantly betraying our good intentions. And look, the problem for we adults is we're really horrible at hiding this. <laughs> we're horrible at hiding this. And so that's why Jesus says, understand this principle, that... 
from what comes out of a person's mouth, really that comes out of a person's heart. That your behaviour will eventually mirror your heart, so guard your heart. And so if these things have the potential to leak out of us, then again it comes back to the question, is how often do we spend monitoring our heart? But more importantly, the bigger question, and I asked this last week, when it comes to this gap between uh, the real me and the me that I want people to see, what choice are you going to make to either close the gap or manage the gap? (laughs) To close the gap or manage the gap? Managing the gap is just going, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. You know, finding a way in which you can just deal with the pressure of the behavior modification and so I just want to talk about four things that I know potentially are going to be in the hearts of every single one of us in this room this morning. Four things that would define our hearts, four things that you need to pay attention to, four things that would exist, four tensions that need your attention that could be in your heart this morning and the first one is guilt. Guilt says I owe you. Guilt says, I did something that you don't know about and it leads to walls, it leads to inauthenticity, it leads to hiding, it leads to dishonesty. Guilt causes people to go, what's wrong? Nothing. What's wrong? Nothing. What's wrong? Nothing. What's wrong? Nothing. Well, how are we going to do this? What, rest of our marriage? Nothing. Nothing. What? (laughs) When there's something wrong, I don't want to tell you because I'm carrying something and it seeps into your behaviours and your relationships. The other one is anger. Whereas guilt says, I owe you, anger says, you owe me. We talked about this for the last three weeks, didn't we? (laughs) We've learned the forgiveness series. You know, in other words, as a kid, we were hurt. We grew up, there were pains, there were stings. There was that moment in which there was an emotional or a physical debt that was born in that job, by that last girl, when we broke up, the way we broke up, how he broke up with me. It caused a pain and there's anger. And what we learned from the forgiveness series is... The insidious thing about anger in your heart is that you transport that into every relationship and if you don't watch or guard your heart in all of this, then you carry that anger so far from its source that you eventually forget why you're angry in the first place. Anger says, you owe me. Guilt says, I owe you. Then there's greed. Greed says, I owe me. Greed is the assumption of consumption. Greed is the L'Oreal principle, you know, the makeup. Isn't that the brand that I buy, hun? <laughs> right, L'Oreal. What's their, what's their tagline? Because you're worth it. Is that one? Because I'm worth it. That right? That's, you know, that's, that's, what, that's what greed is. You know, you get into that moment, the choice between what's in your hand and, and what you're going to do with that. Is that going to be for the benefit of blessing other people or yourself? No, I owe me. It's been a big week. It's been a tough one. You deserve this, right? (laughs) You're worth it. (laughs) It's the assumption of consumption. Greed says, I owe me. And then there's jealousy. Jealousy says, life owes me. Jealousy says, they got the promotion that I deserved. They got the opportunity that I wanted. They got the better chances. They were the lucky ones. I didn't have the opportunity. And I think for some people at the deepest level... It's not just that life owes me. I think where jealousy stems from is people eventually go, God owes me. You know, the crazy thing about jealousy is if you let it go long enough in your heart, you you find yourself suddenly starting to celebrate everyone else's failures. And so there we go. There's um, 
there's just four building blocks, if you would like them this morning, um, of, of four rich building blocks and foundations into a heart that just blossoms into a life of joy and wonder and goodness. Does that sound all right? Anyone want to get a photo on the screen of all of that? I'll just get out of the way for you. But would, would it be fair to say that, that those things can exist in the four quadrants of our hearts? And uh, what I want to ask us this morning is to watch our hearts and to guard our hearts. Is there any of these components of these emotions and feelings that are in our hearts? And before, you know, I want to give you four suggestions too, by the way. I'm not going to leave you here. I want to give you four suggestions on how we deal with all of these. Um, I, I, I want to say to you as well is that, look, if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, um, then in many respects, you don't have to sign in for this this morning. You can watch in. Uh, but I can say to you too that, you know, Jesus, if you just follow his way of dealing with your heart, makes life better and he makes you better at life. And so I'm not saying this morning that you necessarily have to put your faith in Jesus. But what I'm about to give you from Jesus is pretty good advice. And we see the summary of how he deals with these aspects of our heart in these different summaries. And here's the difference, right? Some of you are going to hear this this morning and you're going to say, wow, that's really interesting, Sam. You know, that's a great insight. That's good. Mm. Right? And you're going to go back and you're just going to keep managing the gap, right? When the anger bursts forth from you, then it's like, okay, remind myself when I get in that context with that person, just walk to the other end of the office because I'm never going to do that again. That's behavior modification. Or maybe when it comes to the anger, maybe the first step, we talked about it for three weeks, maybe if you want to get rid of anger, then you forgive. The first thing you do if you're feeling guilty is confess and you tell somebody. If you're carrying something around in you, you find someone safe and you confess and you tell somebody. You don't have to keep carrying all of that. Your reputation, a relationship may take a hit, but the damage is minimized. It may not be tidally over. Secrets suck the life out of you. Don't carry that too long. If you're angry, we talked about it for three weeks, and you know that this can't be a one-line cliche from me after all that we've been through. But if you're angry, forgive. Pay the debt. Cancel the debt. And if angry says you owe me, we've heard this in the forgiveness series. To forgive is to say you don't know me and you don't owe me. And you cancel the debt. If you're greedy, this one's really tricky to do. You know what you do? You give. You write big checks, just not to you. There we go. I'll leave that one at that. Don't wait to be asked. Give the precious stuff away. If you're jealous, maybe you start celebrating the success of others. Maybe you acknowledge the real problem that you're really mad at God. Maybe you're mad at yourself. Maybe that inner voice of self-reproach needs to be dealt with. Maybe you're dealing with things you're upset about. Maybe you're dealing with goals that haven't been achieved. Maybe there are things in your life that you're upset with yourself about and now you've transferred that blame and anger onto God. The best way that you deal with that is you celebrate. You say, Lord, thank you. <laughs> thank you that of all places that I get to be, I'm, I'm born here. I'm in Sydney. I'm alive. I'm breathing. I've got an opportunity to think beyond myself. For many of us, I've got a job. I've got an opportunity to do something. 
For some of us, we've heard last week, at least it's the opportunity to say, hey, Lord, what are you up to do today? And can I be a part of it? Thank you that I've got a purpose that's bigger than just some selfish, small ambition in life. You celebrate. Thank you, God. Try praying before you go to bed each night for a week the celebratory aspects of the life of the things that God has given you and work out how jealous you'll start feeling in the morning. I owe you, confess. You owe me, forgive. I owe me, give. Life owes me, celebrate. (laughs) And what you can do is when you wake up in the morning throughout this week, you can look at all of those different aspects of your heart. You can say, anger, you don't own me. Guilt, you don't own me. Greed, you don't own me. Jealousy, you don't own me. You can take all of those things and you can start to analyse this question that I'm going to ask you today. And it's simply this, is everything okay in your heart? Has God brought people to mind throughout this message that you go, yes, something's not right there? Has emotions come to the surface that have shown you that there might be something happening within When the Bible translates these things as evil desires, it's the Greek word epithumia, which I love it because it's like the word epicenter. An epicenter is the surface level ripples of a deep earthquake beneath the surface of the earth. And so epithumia is, is to see the surface level ripples of a soul quake. And so when we see these surface level ripples of anger and of guilt and of greed and of jealousy in our lives then yours and my job with God by the power of the Holy Spirit is to trace that to, to the centre of our souls and say, Lord, what is going on with my heart? Is everything okay in your heart? Are you mad at anyone? Are you continuing to have the animated gifts? Remember the imaginary conversations in your head over and over again? Are you obsessed with something? Are you just consumed with something? Is there something that's hard to listen today because there's something that just comes out from the centre of your gut? Are you carrying any hurt or anger? Have you recently, maybe have you even recently consciously celebrated something in your heart? Is everything okay in your heart? Because there are things today in your heart and my heart that are left unchecked will eventually leak out of us. And this is not the sort of place where we have the family rules where we say, thou shalt not swear. We kind of don't deal with the family rules in that respect. We want to deal with the rules that get us beyond the family rules. In fact, that's what Jesus always sought to do. He said, let's forget the rules and let's be real. (laughs) From out of the mouth comes ultimately the desires of the heart. And when the things come out, there's an opportunity for us to watch what's happening inside. Let's pray. Lord... Commit this to you and for many of us in this place, there are things deep within us that we are all too aware of, that we're not proud of, that we wish we could take back, wish we hadn't have said, we wish we hadn't have done. There's been arguments, there's been harsh words spoken, there's been agendas played at. There's been societal agendas that we've bought into. There are things that we are carrying that are weighing us down and burdening us. Father, I bring all of these things into this space now, not for us to um, feel the pain of those emotions any deeper, but really to move now into this redemptive act where, Lord Jesus, 
through this act of communion, through this time with you, through this enjoining with you, Lord Jesus. You want to meet each and every one of us in this space this morning and say, child, come bring that to me. Let me deal with that. Let's work on that. Let me guide you out of that. Jesus, we um, declare our inadequacy to pray ourselves out of anything we've behaved ourselves into. We know that is just foolishness to think that way, but what we do pray for is that you would guide us, Lord Jesus, uh, from this moment forth, that for any person that be carrying anger or guilt or greed or jealousy in their hearts, Lord God, that this would be a morning in which we would step forward with you and you would say, come with me, child. And we would have the courage to say, you, Lord Jesus, Jesus, look, please just show us how to lead Sam's life as if you were me, Jesus. How would I act? How would I talk? How would I not talk? How would I give? How would I celebrate? If you were living within me. And so I encourage each and every one of us in this moment now to uh, take whatever that particular feeling or thing that's been brought to mind to him now in this moment. That's how God will speak to you this morning. That's how God will change you this morning. Father, I pray you would do that now in your mighty name. Amen. Well, thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to find out more about Northside, visit northsidechurch.org.au.